I want you to stand as we read this. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17, 18, and 19, New King James today. Here's what the word of the Lord said. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From which he also received him in a figurative sense. Oh Father, today. Father, we ask that you would sanctify this message to our hearts. We ask you that you would give us an anointing from the Holy Spirit. Give us an equipment to say the things that you desire for us to say. I pray that you would not only anoint your servant, your needy servant, but Father, that you would anoint this people today to hear the word of the Lord. And this, this word, Lord, oh God forbid, would fall upon hard soil, but may it fall upon good soil. Some 30, some 60, some even 100. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. This story comes out of Genesis chapter 22. I would dare to say that we all know this story. It is truly an astounding story of unblemished faith. The Lord speaks to the father of our faith, Abraham. And Abraham knew the voice of God. He had walked with God for many, many years now. And now here is Abraham, and the Lord speaks very clearly to him and tells him to do something that in our carnal, natural thinking is horrible. The Lord says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son. He had another son, so it wasn't the only one, but he meant your unique son, your son of promise through Sarah. And I want you to offer him to, offer him to me as a burnt offering. Horrendous. Abraham and Sarai had walked with God for years and years through one faith struggle after another. Uh, the song that we sang today that talked about doubting that he was Yahweh. We have to admit that these patriarchs and these people of God and even these people of faith are people that had doubtful moments. And certainly Abraham and Sarah would fall into that category. But now... Here the promise is. It's no longer just faith, and it's no longer just hope, but it's sight. The child is here. He's the one that redemption will come through, Isaac. He's the one Jesus Christ will come to redeem the world. And now God says to him, I want you to take your one and only son, your unique son, the one you love, and I want you to take him to the mountains that I will show you, and I want you to offer him up as a burnt offering. The Bible says early the next morning, Abraham rises up, takes two of his servants, and begins to make his way in the direction which the Lord has indicated. Three days later, they came to the place, to the mountains which the Lord said that he would show Abraham. 
He says to the two servants, the two young men, wait here. And now this is an incredible statement that Abraham makes at this point. To the two servants, wait here. And he says to the two servants, I, in the old King James, I like it there, I and the lad will go yonder and we will come again unto you. Now that's an incredible statement because Abraham knows what God has told him to do. He knows what he's going to have to do. And yet in this faith statement, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and we will come again unto you. Abraham and his son Isaac make their way to the mountains of Moriah, literally Jerusalem, literally the place where Jesus Christ would be crucified. That's the mountains of Moriah. His son bears the wood. He bears the fire. They get to the place. He prepares the altar. Isaac had seen him do this over and over and over again. Why? Abraham was a man of the altar. Prepared the altar. Prepared the wood. And the boy asked him, probably a young man by now. And now, by the way, Abraham, a very old man. Father, the wood is here. The fire is here. Father, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. One translation said, the Lord will provide himself as a sacrifice. And did he not do that? His one and only son came to die for us. Abraham binds the young man. I believe the young man allowed him to do it. Just as Jesus said in John 10, no one takes my life from me. I willingly lay my life down. I do everything the Father tells me to, to do. He binds the young man. He takes the knife and he's going to do this, this horrible thing. But in that moment, the Father God speaks. The Lord speaks. And the Lord said, Abraham, don't harm the young man. Don't harm the lad. Now I know. Now I know that you fear me. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. And at that moment, he sees a ram. The Lord shows him a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. He, take the lamb, he takes the ram and he offers it up in the place of his son. Substitutionary atonement. Jesus took my place. Come on. Jesus took my place. And then they went back home. What a story. I want to preach for a few minutes today on the trial of our faith or the testing, the testing of our faith, the trial of our faith. I thought about this statement this week. All genuine faith will be tested. And a faith that's not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Did you hear that? All faith will be tested. If you are a child of God, I can assure you, your faith will be tested. Even this week, you have faced 
test, some to lesser degrees, some to greater degrees, but all of us go through tests. Some of you this week have faced financial tests. Some of you may be physical tests. Some of you emotional tests. Some have gone through relational tests. But every one of God's children's faith will be tested. But let me say this by introduction and we'll get into the meat of the thoughts today, the meat of the message. And that's this. Faith, genuine faith, will overcome every time. You hear that? Every time. Not half a time, not five-eighths, not nine-tenths. Genuine faith overcomes everything that's thrown at us, everything, every time, because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We are not called, we're not called to be victims. There's a victim mentality in our nation right now. Listen, we are the children of God. We can face every challenge in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will, in the end, it may not look like we're going to win. It may look like we're in a fiery furnace. It may look like we're in a lion's den or in some kind of prison. But I want you to know, faith in God wins every single time. Every time. And I would say this, there is no test that you cannot pass. Some of you will be tested. You can pass that test. Why? Because we have a word from the Lord that says he would not allow anything into our lives more than we can bear. There's a way to bear it by his grace. There's a a door coming out the other end. You go in trials, but there's also a door. You don't go to a, a place where you're locked in and hemmed in. Listen, there's always a door to come out the other side. You can pass every test. Because faith is powerful. Faith moves mountains. Just a little bit of mustard seed faith can accomplish incredible things for God. You're not going to have faith. You have faith. Will you, just, will you exercise your faith with me to build this building? Will you trust God with me every single step of the way? I was thinking about the verse. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Would you release your faith with me? Would you let your mustard seed of faith join my mustard seed of faith? And let's believe God that his will will be accomplished here on this property. I know this, the Lord is sovereign over the believer's test. And you, you may not know all about that. You may not know about all the whys and the hows and the winds and We have a lot of questions, but what I know is this. I have an anchor verse for my life, Romans 8, 28. And if you read the two verses before that, it's about prayer. We don't know how to pray as we ought. Why? We're going through a test. Why am I going through this test? Sometimes you just don't know. Sometimes God doesn't give you all the information. Take your son, your only son, offer him. That's it. Just And you go. Well, God, you got to give me more information than that. No, I don't have to give you anything. You do what I've called you to do. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit will pray with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then the verse after that says, and we know that God works all things together for good to those that love Him and those that are called according to His purpose. Here's what I'm telling you. Your faith is going to be tested. Abraham is in a test. Peter said it this way, don't be surprised with the fiery trials that you're going through. Let's think about this story. Just a few thoughts today. What kind of test is this? What, what was this for Abraham? As I read through this story. As the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The first thing I thought about is this was an enormous test. You hear that? 
This was an absolutely enormous test. I cannot imagine anything greater than this right here. When it relates to God the Father, it's the greatest thing he could have done. Bankrupted heaven. Sent his one and only son, the son, the eternal son of God, to come and to die for our sin. It's the greatest thing. God so loved the world. And now in a human level, a human father, as a picture for us in the natural, a human father. I can tell you, I don't have this kind of faith. I'm just being frank with you today. What a man of God Abraham was. No wonder he's the father of our faith. What an enormous test. And notice this. This was a test from God. This was a test from the Lord. Look at Genesis 1, 1 and 2. I'm sorry, Genesis 22, 1 and 2. 22, 1 and 2. Now it came to pass after these things. Look at it, verse 1. God tested Abraham. Hear that. God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you about. This was a test from the Lord. Now here's what we need to understand. Please listen. This is very important. We have to distinguish. We must distinguish between a test and temptation. There's a vast, vast difference between testing, which comes from the Lord, and temptation that comes from our adversary, the devil, Satan himself. What I would tell you is this. First of all, is God does not tempt anyone. When I say tempt, I mean to evil. God does not tempt anyone to evil. God himself is so holy, he cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. We hear, we hear in our modern day how that God gets blamed for a lot of whatever, but I'm telling you, God is good and he is holy, and even, even his judgments are part of his perfect love for righteousness. James says, let no one say when he is tempted... That I am tempted by God, for God himself cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, the scripture says. God cannot do that. He is holy. But we do have a tempter, and his name is Satan. In the Bible, Satan is pictured as the tempter. We studied it in Sunday school today. Our men's class were studying, and we were in the ninth chapter. We talked about Satan there. But Satan is a tempter. Satan tempts toward evil. Satan wants to pull you away from God. Satan wants to cause you to be unusable to God. He wants to get you in a place where you're defeated and you're discouraged and you're despondent. And when you're, you're uh, unusable, you're in a place where you're not usable to God. He wants to devour all that's good in your life. He's like a devourer. He's like a lion looking for someone to devour. David was tempted in his own heart and by the enemy to lust after Bathsheba. David was tempted by the enemy to number Israel, which is, was about pride. 
It was Eve who was tempted to doubt the Word of God. And any time you doubt the Word of God, it leads on to disobedience to the Word of God and to sin. It was Satan behind all that. We know that it was Satan who put it in the heart of Judas to betray the very Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. It was Satan that entered him. He entered league with Satan, and he motivated him to do that, and he yielded. That wasn't the Lord. The Lord doesn't tempt anyone. That was Satan that did that. But the Lord does allow tests. But hear this. Those tests that God allows us to go through are not tests to bring us to evil, but they're to bring blessing to us. They're not to devour us. They're to encourage us. They're to strengthen us. They're to bring us into obedience, and they're to bring glory to his name and to reveal himself to us. Tests are hard. Of course they're hard. The trial of our faith is hard, but they're for our good. They're for our blessing. But for Abraham, this was an absolutely enormous test. Because listen, It concerns something, think about this, the most precious, precious thing to Abraham. Let that settle in upon your heart today. God put Abraham through a test, and this test touched upon the most precious, precious thing to his heart, his one and only son, the son of God promise. Two tests. One, one, this tested Abraham's love. Did Abraham love God above any earthly possession or any earthly relationship? Did he truly love God? Now, in our modern day, love is thrown around so cheaply, we don't even know what it means. Somebody say, well, I love this cake. And with the same word, they'll say, I love my wife, and I love this car, and I I love my baseball team. We don't even know what love is anymore. Not all those words mean the same thing. Same vocabulary, but way, way different dictionary. To love God means something. Hear me. To love God is not empty sentimentality that I just have a warm, fuzzy feeling. Love God comes with some strength and some obedience and some sacrifice. Jesus said it this way, my friend. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. The question is, was Abraham willing to place God first in his life? Was he willing to sacrifice everything in obedience and love toward God? What a test this man is facing here. The test touched on his love. But the test, secondly, also touched upon his fear. Did Abraham truly fear the Lord? Because when Abraham passed the test, what did the Lord say? The Lord said, now I know that you fear me. Why did the Lord say that? People today, you just don't see a lot of fear of the Lord today. Even many of God's followers 
shockingly don't have a lot of fear of the Lord. Listen, to take the will of God seriously. God has commanded his people, pray. God has commanded his people, sacrificial service. Put me first. Seek me first. God has commanded his people, giving, sacrificial giving, faithful to the fellowship, separation from the world, striving for holiness and truth. And I wonder how many Christians have, are taking the will of God seriously. How seriously do we take the will of God? The fact is this. If we today in this place do not take the will of God seriously, then the fact is we don't have the fear of God which Abraham had. Because the most significant thing in the history of your life will be one thing. One thing and one thing alone when you stand before the Almighty. And that is this, did you do my will? Did you obey my will? Did you fear me enough to take my will and my words seriously? If we had rewritten the story in the modern day, and the Lord said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, offer him on the mountains which I will show you. Right after the Rangers game, I will, Lord. Can't make it this week. My soap opera's on. Do they even have soap operas anymore? I don't know. You get the illustration. As the stomach turns, you know. You can tell where I am. But I want you to just let this settle in. Obeying God was the most important thing in Abraham's life. So serious was the will of God that he would, he would slay his son as a whole burnt offering rather than disobey the command of God. His test was in the area of love. Did he love God above all others? It was in the area of fear. Would he be willing to obey the Lord above everything else, even hard test? And by the way, what he told him to do was astounding to me. I was going to put a picture up, but I thought not, maybe too traumatic. He was to take his son, bind him on an old altar full of stones and wood. He was to tie him, thrust a knife in him, let the blood drain out, and then burn his body till nothing else was, nothing else was left. And this man would rather obey God than not do that. This is an enormous test. An astounding test like I've never seen before except once. And that was on Calvary. When God did not spare his son but delivered him up for us all quickly. This was an enormous test. Secondly, look at the screen. This is an encouraging test. This really encouraged me. You say, how did it encourage you? Because here's Abraham trusting the character of God. Sometimes when you obey God, there's no feeling. There's no, there, there may not even be a lot of joy in it or a lot of a surface emotion or happiness. You just simply say, God, this is who you say you are, and I believe it. I'm not looking to have my emotions titillated. 
I mean, some weeks you, you give your tithes and you pay your offering and there's, oh, I feel fulfilled. Other times you think, man, I could use that to play golf with. It's hard. And I'm glad it's hard. I'm glad it's hard. Because it was hard for Jesus. And it makes us a little bit like Jesus when we do the hard thing. This was an encouraging test. I want you to notice something in Genesis 22.3. Notice how quickly Abraham moved when the Lord spoke. Look at verse 3. So Abraham, look at it, rose early in the morning. I don't think Sarah knew anything about this. I can tell you. Mama Sarah said, the boy ain't going with you. <laughs> right, ladies? You think he had a little consultation? Somebody said, somebody said, in, or the Lord said, rather, in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. Yeah, only if you've got the right counselors. I've been among some counselors that did not have the mind of the Lord. Oh, God, give us someone with the mind of God. Give us someone that's been on their face, fasting and praying, and they come out and said, I have a word from God. I have a counsel. Not just off the cuff, like, yeah, I think this will be good. I can tell you, when you get the counsel of the Lord, you, you know it. It has a pierce to it. It has a, it has a conviction to it. It has an anointing on it. Give us a church full of people with the wisdom of God because we've been in the secret place. But notice he rose early in the morning, saddled the donkey, took the two young men with him. Isaac split the wood for burnt offering arose and he went, he went to the place which God told him to go. Now think about this. This encourages me. But as soon as God spoke, he moved. He didn't wait till noon. Probably before daylight, two, two, two workers, come on guys, we got something to do. Son, you're going with me today. Saddle the donkey and it said they begin to move. Are you moving toward obedience? Are you moving in the direction which God's tell? Are you moving your family in the direction which God has told you to go? I fear there are too many dads leading their family in the wrong direction. We need to be leading in the direction. You say, I don't know the complete will of God, nor did he. Nor did he. He didn't know how it was going to all turn out. But he's obeying what he knows. Obey what you know, and the Lord will show you the rest. Do what God told you to do. All I know is this. God told us to put a building on this property. I don't know where everything's going to come from, but I know this. I am trying to do my best to move our church toward obedience, toward God, because I believe there's a great harvest. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I'll multiply you. And he moved quickly to obey the Lord. How could he do that? How could God speak to him to do this incredibly, in the natural, horrendous thing? How could he do it so quickly? Here's why. He'd walked with God 30, 40 years now probably. He knew the voice of God. He knew that God was good. He had fellowship with him in the tent. He had fixed a meal for the Jehovah Lord. He knew his character. If I could counsel you to do anything today, it's this. When you go through a test, get your eyes off the mountain. Get your eyes off the problem. Get your eyes off the waves. 
Keep, if you're in a test, keep your eyes on the character of God. I can tell you the waves will billow in and out. The feelings will come and go. But we have an anchor for the soul. We have unchanging God. He said to Malachi, I'm the Lord and I don't change. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is Jesus Christ. He never changes. He's an anchor for us. When the waves are billowing in on us, when God's told us to do something, we don't know why he's told us to do it. We don't know, we don't know the end of it. We don't know where the footsteps are going to lead. What I can trust is what Abraham trusted in. He can trust in the Lord. He can trust in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord's a strong tower. The righteous run to it, and they're safe. Get this in your spirit, Psalm 9 and 10. They that know thy name shall put their trust in you. They that know thy name. The name is the character of God. That's his faithfulness, his love, his holiness, his compassion. The more you know his name, and the way you know his name is to know his words. Get in his word. Get, get you some friends. Get you some counselors. Now, I told you that I have, I've had some counselors that I, would, I wouldn't put their counsel in a thimble, but I have some counselors that are good counselors. I hang out with them all the time. They're my buds. Come on. Moses is my bud. I hang out with, with Hezekiah sometime. He wrote some of the Psalms too. I hang out with old King David, old Malachi. One guy called him Malachi. <laughs> old Levi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, John the Revelator. I hang out with these guys. And listen, they're great counselors. They've never let me down. Oh, what an encouraging thing that know that we can obey the Lord quickly because we know his name. He's never let you down. That quickly illustration when the disciples were on the sea and the, Jesus was asleep in the boat and then they finally woke him up. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're about to perish and you're taking a siesta? You're asleep? And they start accusing God, the Son of God. Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus gets up. He speaks to the winds and the waves. He says, peace be still. And Jesus said something that really should have convicted them to their core. And he looked at those men, those young men. He said, don't you have any faith? Literally, do you still not have faith? Do you still not trust me? Do you still not know who I am? Show us the Father, in John 14, show us the Father. Have I been so long with you? And have you not known me? Don't you know me? Don't you know when you see me, you see the Father? Don't you know my love? Don't you know my faithfulness? Don't you know my loving kindness? Don't you know my steadfast love? Don't you know I'm never going to let you down? How could you accuse me, disciples? You're going to perish. Don't you know I'm here? How are you going to perish with me right here in the boat with you? How could Abraham quickly obey? He had walked with God. He knew the character of God. Also, look at verse 5. This is an extraordinary thing here. I and the lad will go yonder and will come and worship. Think of the level of a man's faith here. He had unwavering faith in the promises of God. God had given him a promise through this boy right here. Not through Ishmael, 
Now, now we, we say that Abraham, you know, a lot of people don't realize Abraham had many more than two sons. He, after Sarah died, he, he, he got a second wind. That boy had a lot. He married this woman named Keturah, and they had a bunch of kids. But God said, this young man, Isaac, laughter, he's the one. And now here is Abraham. All his hopes are about to be destroyed. All his dreams, his entire future, they, they, they sought God all these years. And now here it is, and now it's about to be gone. It's about to be stolen from them or taken from them. But in, we get commentary in, in our text we read, Hebrews eleven nineteen. 19. He'll get commentary, and the commentary said that he believed that God was going to raise him up. He could do that. If, 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 when he died, that God was going to raise him up. That's how much he trusted the promises of God. In other words, he believed in the resurrection of the dead. And isn't that what we believe in? We believe in the resurrection of the dead. We believe that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. Listen to this quote. And I think this is true in, in our lives at one level or another. Look, listen to this quote. God often works his purpose through the death of a vision. This means that he may allow things to happen in our lives that seem to destroy our hopes and dreams so that he can fulfill his hope and dreams for us in an even greater way. You may think your dream is dead. God, as a child, God may have given you a hope and a dream and a vision and a calling, and you may thought it was dead. You may think it's dead. You may, it may be dead in your mind, but God's able to raise it up again. Just like Job, he can be blessed twice as much as he ever was because there's no limit with our God. There's no limit with our God. Quickly. I also see this test not only as an enormous test, an encouraging test, an extraordinary test, but this is an enriching test. Notice Abraham passed the test, and notice what the Lord said to him. See, because when we go through a test and pass, there's always blessing. There's always promotion. There's always advancement. Verse 15 through 17 of Genesis 22, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham the second time out of heaven, myself, and said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Notice, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand of the seashore, your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. There's a blessing in testing. We don't see it in the moment, but there is a blessing in the believer's testing one, we become stronger. Secondly, we become to know the Lord more intimately. Abraham received this, uh, this revelation of Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Thirdly, we get a testimony that encourages others. We gain a testimony. This testimony has encouraged us here over 4,000 years later. It is millions and millions of Christians because of the testimony of the obedience of this man. And then fourthly, we gain experience for the next challenge. Right. Notice 
And I, I read just briefly out of uh, Romans 5, uh, I'll skip to verse 3. Not only that, but we glory in tribulation. We glory in tribulation. The world caves into tribulation. The world, many of them commit suicide when they go through tribulation. What do we do? We glory in tribulation. We worship Him in the midst of the fire. We worship Him. Why? Notice, notice this. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character. Everyone say character. That literally means proven character. Proven character. Faith that's not tested can't be trusted. But a faith that's trusted, can, that's tested and goes to the test can be trusted. Why? Because our character is proven. In other words, we get a personal experience. Not a secondhand experience. Not my pastor told me, the Sunday school teacher said, the deacon did this, sister so-and-so got a victory, but you personally know God and your, your character's proven when you go through this test. Think about it. I'll close. This test was enormous. This test was encouraging. It's extraordinary. Certainly enriching and blessing as, as our tests are. As the revelator said, we gained, we gained uh, gold refined in the fire. When you go through a test, you get spiritual gold refined in the fire. You can only get this kind of spiritual gold in the fire. And lastly, this whole story was an enlightening text. You say, how is that? Because you already know I've, I've threaded it through this message. And this message is not just about Abraham and his son Isaac. But this is what we call a typology of God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. So I close with this, showing you that Isaac is a type of Christ. Isaac and Jesus were beloved sons of righteous fathers. Both Isaac and Jesus are identified as sons of Abraham, a son of Abraham. Both were offered in a sacrifice. The sacrifice was offered in the land of Moriah, which is Jerusalem. Both sons carried wood for their sacrifice. Both were bound and placed on top of the wood. Both were willingly allowed themselves to be offered as a sacrifice. And both sons were resurrected and given back to their father's on the third day, the text says that. And Isaac, in a figurative sense, was given back from the dead. Because in the heart of Abraham, and in his mind, his son was as good as dead. So in this, we see Jesus Christ. Our musicians are coming. Thank you, Lord our God. Let's bow. Father, we worship you today. We give you worship today. We give you praise today. We honor your holy and precious name. Lord, we feel like we've been on holy ground today. We feel like we've stepped on scriptural holy ground to look into this story of this tremendous test that Abraham, your great servant, went through. What a man. Lord, I admire him, your servant Abraham, more than I ever have. What a man of faith. What a man of quick obedience. 
But more than anything, I admire your son, Jesus. I admire your servants, but I worship the son. And I exalt Jesus to the highest place that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. We thank you today. I'd like you to stand with me. I've asked our worship team to lead this song. Let's just worship. I think we just, we're just on holy ground right now. Let's just worship him as our team leads.
today as our heads are bowed. Just for this moment, our heads are bowed. I want to speak to you a moment just about the will of God. Feel in my heart that there's some here that there's areas of your life that you know that you're not fully following the Lord. You, as that song we said, you know, say yes to the Lord. I believe that the Lord is speaking to hearts across this place of worship. And he's saying to you, will you obey my will? Will you fully surrender to me? Or will you be the soil, the thorny soil, where you kind of obey him, but other things choke out his perfect will? I'm simply going to give this call as our heads are bowed. Pastor, I hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. I hear what the Word of God is saying. And today I've been convicted. And today I repent of disobedience. And I'm saying yes to the will of God in my life. I want you to see your hand. I'm saying yes to the will of God. Let me see your hand. In Jesus' name, across this room, God bless you. Several hands. I'm saying, yes, I will fully surrender to the will of God. Several hands are going up across this room. I know that most of you are following the Lord, but I feel very strongly that the Holy Spirit is saying that you need to yield to my will my will is the best you need to say yes to Jesus today and I would say if you're here and you've never met Christ as your Savior you need to call upon him you need to be saved you need to believe upon the Lord we'll be here to pray with you after service I want us to pray together Holy Father today I ask in the name of Jesus you see the hearts that are stirred in this place. God, I pray that our hearts would be completely surrendered to you. Lord, you see the hands that were raised. And they want to follow your will. And we know there's blessing in your will. And there's peace in your will. There's also testing in your will. So Lord, I ask you to bless each one today. I ask you to give them your grace and your mercy. Now, this prayer, I want you to do this, and we're about to, to conclude. I, want you, this, I hope this doesn't embarrass you. I want you to join the hands with those next to you. Now, we're going to pray this prayer. This is a corporate prayer. We're going to say, Lord, we as a congregation will obey you. I want you to pray this with me. I will obey you, Lord. We will obey you as a congregation to do what you have called us to do in accomplishing your will. Now, as a congregant, as a member of this church, as a, an attender, I want you to pray. Say, Lord, I'll do my part. I'll, I'll, I'll be someone anointed to do my part of ministry. We yield to that, Lord. Pray for that person next to you, that they will yield to the Lord. Bless them. Just for another moment, just pray for them. Ask God to bless them, to make their heart yielded, that God would use them to bring glory and honor to his beautiful name. We bless you today. We bless our brothers. We bless our sisters today. And we thank you for it. 
We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, you can drop those hands. Now let's pray as we conclude. Father, today, we're so grateful for this beautiful service where we could gather as your people and worship and sing the songs of the redeemed. Today, sharing in the table of communion. Thank you, Father. And sharing this most holy passage of Scripture. Lord, as we go to our place of resonant, Lord, that you would let this message, I pray, not quickly leave us. Let it weigh heavy, heavy upon our spirit in a good way. Let it, let it bring deep spiritual thoughts. Let it, let it cause our roots to go deep down into your faith. Because, Lord, some of your people may be tested this week. But, Lord, there's no test we cannot overcome. And there's no test that's meant for harm from you. It's meant for good to bring more grace and more fruitfulness into our lives. So I pray for your people. I pray for strength to be faithful. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, and may the communion of the Holy Spirit, our God, be with you all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you today.